0: Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it's an honor. Yes, thank you, thank you for calling me after I chose Barbie over Oppenheimer. So yes, <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, we just we just don't know enough people who can who can do this. I guess we. we I, I guess I guess at least I lack friends. I suppose that's the conclusion of this. So. Yeah, expect expect to like get calls to come back again and again.
0: <laughs> but yeah,
1: but yeah. So uh, like yeah, we haven't we haven't done this in a while. I think our lives sort of caught up to us. Yeah, and also we were all like I think all of us were sort of busy attending film festivals in between the past two months, I think, I went to, like, a couple mm-hmm. of them. I, I know Origit was also in a couple of them. So, yeah, all of us have been there more or less. So, yeah, so the point of this episode is to sort of just talk about some great uh, films that we saw over the years so far and, like, in the festivals, especially, just like, a roundup. So, yeah, this is, I mean, all of us, yeah, for all of us, I this is not our uh, favorite films from the year, but just what we have seen so far, what do we like, uh, what do we love rather. So, yeah, I mean, uh, we'll we'll start with uh, Shomo, because the, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yes. I think after, after 20, I think 19, 19. I think 19 the was Parasite the one, movie. yeah, 19, yeah, 19 was the year when I really was, like, like just overwhelmed by the amount of good films that yeah, I saw. Yeah, Portrait of a
2: Lady uh-huh. on Fire, a Pain and Glory, right. Parasite, I think, so, Parasite. very strong in 19, yeah.
0: And then, you yeah, know, the shit so hit Irish, the fan Irish with China. the pandemic, so.
2: Yeah, so. I mean, there was a backlog, right, so, releases were, you know. Yeah, stored up and so a lot of alignments. Uh, Fincher and Scorsese, that is a <laughs> partnership that keeps repeating. Yeah. Last time, uh, Irishman and uh, A came out together. Irishman Man. and... Mank. Um, Mank, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, Mank so, was that year, I think. They same year, same year. Here. So they are like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So we'll start with show Shomo.
1: I find music a useful distraction. A focused tool keeps the inner voice
3: from wandering. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so talking about Fincher, you know, like I always um, look forward to his films because I don't know what keeps me. Uh, getting back to his films like there's something about his meticulousness his discipline but i think with killer he kind of reached another level i mean some people are calling killer like his whole mo you can see his whole filmography through it it's like him explaining his technique but that's i think um seeing the film through a particular lens i i think the film stands on its own um great acting fassbender is absolutely top-notch and after so many years he's acting in it uh yeah i yeah we hadn't seen him in a while actually yeah that's, that's yeah because that's he's a he's him. a racer now he's a sports car
0: racer
1: yeah so right, he changed yeah, yeah. professions he's
0: yeah, but yeah. He he's in
2: NASCAR these days.
0: Probably also yeah. took a break because he has allegations against or was supposed. He to have does.
2: I against. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I is, mean, yeah.
0: right. Mm-hmm.
2: Also, he got no, married. Those, those so I'm the, sure the, that takes a toll yeah, on your those life.
1: Are, those are Don't get married, guys, for a while. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I wow. think it broke out during I, I think make or maybe it's just how bad X-Men whatever what was it Dark Phoenix was. Ha, that's that the is only also he's bad a good in point. Scene. Like, yeah. genuinely
2: yeah. really bad in it so Yeah. yeah. Reconsidering his life choices maybe. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I thought I think you can't see the killer. I mean, there is a reason why people are pointing to his filmography and how Fincher is kind of dissecting his technique but i don't think you can see the killer without seeing what he made before that i mean with mank he kind of went huge bombastic big you know hollywood so much money from netflix i think with killer he kind of toned down he, he kind of he still went... has so much money from netflix of course he does i mean well. if you are if you are fincher and you're doing like 100 retakes that will cost you money and he's yeah. not stopping, so uh, that is why he has paired up with Netflix. That Netflix, ha- uh, not Netflix. Fincher has made this style. Even if you try, you can't replicate what he does. Okay, only Fincher makes Fincher movies. I know it's kind of a brag, but it's true. There was this film. Yes, I mean, if you if you if you put Killer and then you see Fight Club then you can see the stark difference. Like, Fight Club is a young man's film. Like, he's very brash. He has something to prove, Fincher. With Killer, he's almost looking back at his career and seeing, you know, what he has done, his achievements. And I feel it's a very self-critique, a very big self-critique of him, his own film. There's a lot to parse from that film. And I think as a story itself, this character study of this cold, ruthless killer who is basically real James Bond. If James Bond was real, it would be a Fassbender's character. He does not stick out. He does his job. He's great at his job. He's ruthless, cunning, you know, cutthroat. And yeah. I think Fincher it the character kind of reminds me of gone girls uh, amy dunn it's almost like this masculine feminine like you know mirror images of each other so i think those two films gone girl and the killer can be a great double bill um fincher top of his game camera work amazing like you can't fault that film. I think problem with critics who don't get it is that they're not seeing the bigger picture. Like, that film has a lot, but it's being very smart about critique of, you know, class system. You know, how the character says, the more wealth you have, the more the cops, you know, put all their effort in finding the assassin so there is a class critique there is this politics even though the main character is saying oh i'm apolitical you know you don't have to win me to a cause or something it is a very smart film and i think most of the critics the the, i mean it came out in venice film festival right and venice had so much better films, it just I think got lost because it's so toned down and so you know, very yeah. And I think the killer, the killer, was also the, like the second assassin,
1: yeah. And it, it was also like the second assassin movie at playing at Venice because Letters, Hitman also played. And three like assassin movies, sort of, I think
2: there were three yeah, films, so like, a, a critic said, so it kind of lost in the lurch. And um, yeah, I remember and, one. Critics I, saying that why is this film need to be made? Like why is this film important? And I'm like I mean I don't think I don't think that should be asked for any film. Yeah, but, you should be able yeah. to make art, right? That should not be the yeah. case. Right. Know. And I think another uh,
1: another thing yeah. about the killer, which like uh, uh, which I sort of uh, like I found fascinating was that how people were doing this like great interpretations of the film because it was so polarizing because I saw the film and then when I was reading like reviews and stuff I came across one review where somebody had said it's like a critique of gig economy and I'm like I was a bit (laughs) stumped when I read it but then when I thought about it I was like yeah it makes sense like at the end of the day that assassin is like a gig worker essentially like
0: mm, probably a very yes. well-paid
1: gig yes. worker but a gig worker yes. nevertheless mm. so yeah. like yeah these sort of interpretations were very interesting to read when it came came to this because like yeah the reception was so polarized uh for this uh so yeah what is go ahead yeah
0: no no but uh uh I, uh, so sorry, if you guess, uh I, I mean, whatever I think uh, Shomajit said, I, I'm i in agreement with, I kind, I like it a little lesser than Shomajit and I'm a big Fincher fan also, but <laughs> it is very like clinical and very, you know, like extremely clinical, extremely whatever. And I, and I think the one film we did an episode and, on Queen is that for uh, comparing this with Les, Sami or whatever the John P. M. L. will film yeah. is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sort of you you fine. see the you see the
1: Melville, uh, yeah. like, inspiration so much there yeah. in the killer. Like, that whole, yeah. uh, sort of like an anti-hero protagonist yeah. of, like, Les Samurai and Lesser kill Rouge and, like, in you know, all Noir of those Melville noirs. noirs. That's yeah, so absolutely. apparent there, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think, and also, the big difference, I think, was that in Le Samurai, he's not got an internal monologue in... David Fincher's film, it's all internal monologue, like, all the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, sorry, go ahead. That sort of got, that sort of got
1: to me, like, don't you think like that, that that is sort of meant to, like, tire you out?
0: like, you're just
1: constantly in the mind of...
0: Yeah, that's the
3: film.
2: I mean, without the uh, monologue, the film will not work. Because the monologue is basically this character who's trying to fool themselves Mm. right so whatever he says like Mm. stick to the plan Mm. improvise don't improvise uh, you know all of these things he has to uh, forbid empathy empathy is weakness he's breaking all these rules because in life i don't think anything goes to plan you have to Mm. adapt to survive and he's doing Uh, that in real time but because he's such a one-track minded guy he yeah. has to keep going keep going keep going yeah. or he will falter and he will be killed like Tilda Swinton's character was so close to killing him but because he didn't blink he kind of survived till the end no, and I, I, think I think the what... k- I... kills also is very um if you look I, I'm so sorry I'm geeking out on this uh I'm like obsessed no, with no, this no, film no. I've like seen it three times if you look at the kills, there's like a palindrome. I don't know if it makes sense or not. So it starts with a gunshot and then it ends with mm. no one getting killed. So it starts with the main character not getting killed, like the main who was supposed to be killed, yes. like yeah. who was he was given an assignment and he could not fulfill it. And at the end, yeah. he goes to the billionaire and he does not kill him. So there is a palindrome. Yeah in the big in the middle is the most violent kill so there is this hmm. you know climax and then a denouement so it yeah. he progressively becomes violent and then he kind of lets hmm. go so there is character development there even the critics i don't understand why they don't like no but i think need what you need to scratch saying, deeper it,
0: yeah, no, I think what you're saying though, uh, like, answers somewhat what uh, Arjit was asking about the whole contradiction thing. But I think uh, there is an inherent contradiction in his voiceover and what is happening. That creates the, the tension, so like that, right, of the film. Yeah, Otherwise, that is the tension. Yeah.
2: He's, he's always succeeding. So, where yeah. how do you create tension out of that? So, I think yeah. the voiceover is important because this is the kind of guy who lives in his mind. He he has a, yeah. a, you know, girlfriend, but how much do we see of that relationship? But, so, I,
0: but do you, don't you think he actually cares for her? That's the other thing. Like, you know, oh, like he, the whole
2: he is sort of The film won't work if he does not care for her, right? He goes yeah, on that yeah, manhunt. He says because, he doesn't
0: care. <laughs> yes.
2: He, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Forbid empathy, but then he's, you know, he has to, yeah. 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 So even though Fincher film's, People say they are clinical, they are, you know, so violent and masculine. There is Hmm. heart under there. Girl with the dragon tattoo, there's Hmm. heart. Social network, there's heart. I don't think
1: Fincher has ever sort of glorified masculinity. I think the, I mean, people cite... Like Fight Club a lot about how he's disowned it or whatever right now, but because of the way that Fight Club is sort of interpreted, uh, like interpreted there, I don't think Fight Club was also like a glorification of masculinity or whatever. And it was always like you know, hey, don't be like this guy. Like you know, that's like when I saw it as a kid, whatever. I mean, of course, there's a anti-institution sentiment and everything, which is, I mean many films have that many films have used that that's motive. the
2: thing but right depiction always... on screen does not mean endorsement yeah, so yeah. when yeah, he's and showing he was, these but... things it doesn't mean that he's endorsing it but the problem is that death of the artist right so when the art is out there you can't really control how it's perceived by the audience hmm. so yeah, yeah and i think i don't think like
1: fincher sure. or any artist has to disown their work because of no. how a certain no. group is interpreting their, their films now. Like I think the reason for Fight Club being so controversial is because of like the white nationalists in US sort of using it as yeah. you know like an inspiration for but justifying what they do. That's but the Taxi
0: uh, Driver syndrome though. Sorry. Yeah, that is that
1: is like that. I mean yeah. like uh I saw taxi driver being name dropped uh in animal comparisons oh, yeah, you know all that ridiculous. i like that was yeah. there was and i was like okay if you are doing that then you literally don't understand what like scorsese was doing there like yeah. by his own admission like that's
0: <laughs> no <taxidermal> syndrome is <laughs> information like people basically uh, i think fight club like I, I've always described some of my favorite Martin Scorsese films as like, you know, going super up close to their protagonist, but not inhabiting their points of view, which is like a very crucial thing. Because it's like, you know, you are slightly at that distance where you can see that it's a critique, but you're close enough that you sometimes feel like you've almost melted with their point of view. So, so... so yeah, I mean, Taxi think Driver... Is, yeah. Uh, sorry, I mean, like Taxi yeah,
1: Driver itself, right? It has... Mm-hmm. Uh, like scenes where you are literally panning away from Travis yeah. Bickle and Scorsese has said time and time again how the whole point of that is we are supposed to feel sor- like not sorry but we are supposed to mm. feel like uh, uh, like feel horrible like feel how like how bad he is and you know like what a despicable person he is creeping mm. out mm. creeping out like a girl like that and who has no idea of how to form like meaningful yeah. relationships and we are supposed to sort of critique that rather yeah. like glorify that behavior of you know taking a woman or to a pond yeah, theater yeah, on mean, a date or things of that sort I, I, so i
0: think it's more about just like you know uh like i like the scorsese comparison with the uh, animal was ridiculous the of artist who i can understand the comparisons with was about lars von trier a little bit but i think lars von trier is self referential or like he has a sense of humor and like uh, like he's self-consciously you know he makes fun of himself quite a bit in his films uh but in this uh, mm-hmm. where anyways we, i don't know how we've deviated towards Adam uh anyways, <laughs> but, my, yeah. my, my, my point with uh, the fight club thing was that i think fight club is a bit like taxi driver in the sense that you know it kind of inhabits a style which mimics what it's critiquing also, it's like in that very strange zone where, you know, people can misinterpret it, which is fine. Like, that's a... I don't think that's a bad thing. I think... But... I would rather
1: think, like, it's a it's a great plus if a filmmaker can do that. Like, you get... So like you were saying, that, that up close where you are, like, walking that fine line, but yeah. you have a conscience. You know that you don't want to glorify it, which yeah. I think comes across pretty well. Yeah. But you are also, like on some level trying to present a point of view, yeah. you know, like, uh, but without glorifying it
0: in yeah. any way. I think so anyway, uh, I, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go on. No, no, I was just saying it's like sympathetic, but you're also kind of like pitying him. Like, I mean, I feel the best no, example for totally. this like, Yes. King of Comedy because I, which is like a rewatch recently. Right. Yes, it was yes, like yes. The most uncomfortable I felt, uh, but also kind of, uh, you know, wanting to watch the character work on screen. But yes, it sort of links into Fight Club. And well, I think Killer, going back to The Killer and bringing it all back, I suppose, is, you know, in The Killer, I think Finch I mean, to me, at least it was a bit like, you know, he's slightly pulling back from making it, you know, over-stylized. I know there are stylish touches in it, but like, uh, like it. I think the whole film had a drabness and there's a positive to it, which I think, uh, you know, I remember also, like the atmosphere of it, I do remember. He's a very good stylist, of course. So Yeah, and I think that that whole,
1: uh, it was, uh, how do I put it? Like the uh, the way it was, like you said, drab. I think that's pretty intentional yeah, to yeah. sort of tire us out with his life again and again, every day, the whole routine of that to some extent. But anyway, uh, like let's move on to like, Dhruv and like one of your films. Like We'll each take turns sure. uh, at this. So yeah, okay. Dhruv, why don't you go next?
0: Yeah, uh, so I'll say what my favorite has been, at least till whatever I've seen. Lots of things to watch still, but uh, May, December by Todd Haynes.
1: How do you choose your roles?
0: I want to find a character that's difficult to, on the surface, understand. Were they born or were they made? It's, oh yes, uh, my favorite. But I, 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 think I'm like increasingly. Uh, so, if, if for whoever's unfamiliar, the film is actually about a uh, journalist, not journalist. Sorry, a uh, actress who en- who comes to basically study no, a uh, couple. Okay, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Who, who comes to study a couple who's... Uh, who was involved in a sort of scandal before, and we sort of get to know, like, peel by peel, what actually happened, which is, in essentially, it is a uh, termed statutory rape, in the sense that the woman had an affair, slash, whatever, molested uh, a, a child who was 13 years old and is now her husband. So it's, you know, super, you know, prickly in terms of subject matter. And then the actress wants to make a film about this. And how everything happened. So, I think one of the most fascinating things about... I mean, I'm a big Todd Haynes fan in any case. I think he's a very, very accomplished director. And he's made, like, very different types of films uh, throughout his career. Yeah, yeah, Carol. If you see Carol in this, you'll be, like, really? Same director? Like, you know, you have that uh, uh, variation, which I think I love. But I think one of the best things about May-December is, like... It works as a cringe comedy, but it also works as like a deeply, deeply disturbing film. Uh, Like I feel a lot of people give, I like Tar, you know, Tar came last year, which sort of my big complaint with that was that I got what they were trying to do in terms of, you know, cold dissection of relationships, personality, whatever of, you know, power in one sense. But in this May, December, you kind of get that cold dissection, but you also get like a genuinely heartbreaking story of you know uh someone learning that their life is you know not uh, what they thought it was so i think again it's down to the performances a lot uh i think it's got three of the best performances of this year or some of the best at least i think natalie bortman uh yeah
2: yeah i agreed all three leads are so good yeah i think shook is definitely a good work i mean for me also mm. it's yeah no that's the thing with the film like if you if you admit that you like the film people will say oh why it's a sick film it's it's just so i don't know it's a very Icky film, not a Icky in any sense that it's a bad film. It's just it's just a very conflicting film. Like it it yeah. really shakes you up, like you said, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it it makes you reexamine how you see people, like you know, controlling people. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I, I think uh, yeah, whatever Shomajit said was totally uh, on point about that. I think. One of the things you discover, like the second time I was watching, you sort of view the film with an entirely different lens, especially on Natalie Portman. You just see how she, you know, changes her mannerisms according to, you know, whenever she enters a scene and how everything for every person here, except for Charles Melton's character is sort of, you know, a sort of opportunistic way of mining something, you know, of their own from it. And I think... Yeah, it's like every
2: one of them has an agenda. And yeah, for uh,
0: him, I think: which, yeah, I think
2: Melton think is just like, caught in
0: the crossfire, yeah. so yeah, those yeah. The two divas. I think someone yeah. mentioned they are like two divas and and like he's basically the person caught between them, because I think there are parts of the film, especially with the soundtrack, right, which is taken from the go-between, which like: really oh
2: gosh, that that zone. that tune <laughs> is like stuck yeah. in my head. that is so effective, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah.: yeah, I mean, I think like some of it, yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead to no no. So, no no so i think just uh this whole idea that you know uh there's this musical thing which i think it's meant todd haynes used it as a sort of ironic distancing thing that's what he said and a lot of people have taken that and sort of interpreted the film as camp which is very interesting because i do think some of it slightly goes into you know soapish tv soapish melodramatic territory which i think is very interesting because it's like There's two movies playing here. One is super serious, you know, dissection of something. And the other is almost like the film we see at the end of the film. You know, like they're really trashy, you know, almost... It's interesting uh, that
2: you bring up, like, there's two films playing. Because I, when I watched it, I thought... uh, um, Yeah, first time I watched it, I thought uh, Haynes is completely inventing another genre this is not Mm. melodrama Mm. let's not go camp at all like i Mm -hmm. read notes on camp by susan sontag Mm -hmm. after watching this film because Mm -hmm. it's very stupid how twitter kind of erupted in this quarrel melodrama Mm or camp no it's it's not this because Mm -hmm. i think the internet is obsessed with flattening films they want it to be either this or that it's a very complex complicated film complex film There are musical cues that make you laugh. Yes, there are certain elements, but like uh, the the writer said, that because the film is, you know, this actor coming as a detective trying to figure out what's going on, it's a very funny kind of premise, right? So you have to balance the seriousness of pedophilia with, you know, something that's a little lighthearted because it's absurd it is absurd this whole situation is absurd this actor coming in is absurd the relationship is absurd let's be clear but i think people are obsessed with genre and we have to think beyond genre if we are viewing this film because it is nothing like anything i've seen if you put a gun to my head and ask me what genre is this i would say for me it was psychological thriller or horror and um i mean you can laugh at some of the moments some of them are funny like the hot dog scene is, it's like yes yeah. Like, yeah. i didn't know what to do with it when i first saw it but i can see why people are laughing but i
0: so this but that is all i couldn't you, I, I just there's... couldn't
2: laugh like there was nothing ro- uh, uh, nothing that made me laugh and yeah. that's fine you can laugh i'm not saying like <laughs> that. No, no, there's, but Bita. there's
0: always an uncomfortable undercurrent throughout all the laughs also there's no place here where i think there's a you know space i mean there is that rooftop yeah because it's an un- uncomfortable
2: is. film i mean what can you do but you know laugh at these situations where you know these people are sending her cake orders to bake and that's what's keeping her busy and she's obsessed with baking and it's like, this is, this whole situation is absurd.
0: The Ingmar Bergman film, right? Yes, 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 yeah. yes,
2: yes. But also you yeah. see how absurd that is when the last scene kind of plays out that she's acting, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah and I think she, she says also, she says also at some point that now i know what it was to like sneak around with you I, I think that's how she sort of starts like flirting with with the character as well yeah i also think like uh may december on some level sort of really explores like how artists sort of take advantage of other people's stories or life especially their trauma if you know uh, there is to sort of make it well like make profit out of it yeah, either artistically, artistically or sort of
2: critique of the hollywood system right how true crime has not just good... the
1: not not hollywood system i would say because this happens everywhere i mean are using somebody else's Life for their story or even like losing yeah. your own story to sort of make money out of it at the end whether you're writing a book or you're writing a or, you know you're making a movie out of it like then what authenticity remains of that story whether it's yours or somebody else's it's if you sort of try to all make it profit, into right
2: at the end of the day they are not they don't care about what this new media comes and you know has an effect on the people involved. They don't care. They just want to put this content out. That's what it has become. Right. so uh, I right. think,
1: yeah, I, I, I think of it and as... It's funny and ironical
2: that it's on Netflix and Netflix is also making Jeffrey Dahmer.
1: Like, right, wow. I, I, didn't, I didn't think of it as like a particular criticism on like the current streaming uh, thing or anything. Rather, it was like a larger sort of artistic... Uh, critique of artists in general, you know, just profiting off other people's yeah, lives. Just, and
0: uh, yeah, I think it's just like whenever you're trying to capture someone's life, there is it's going to be contaminated, like it's never going to be like exactly. Clean, yes, right? like nothing yeah. comes clean here, like sort of like that. I think that that very much comes across.
1: Yeah, and yeah. do you also sort of have that financial? bias and motivation because you could see in Natalie Portman's character like she decided to do this because it would sort of bring her some fame and you know like it would like she's doing something different uh,
0: yeah, as an actress I and mean, yeah, that would the funniest, really the uh, funniest thing is that she's doing an art film which looks like an exploitation right. film at the end of the day right, so exactly Yeah. so it's
2: like what she, we don't know what she wants she doesn't know what she wants She's a very insecure actor, and she just wants both, fame. Both I guess. Women are she insecure, wants to I please mean. her parents. That's what I got from it. But hmm. these both of these characters are such. These women are such. They are hidden behind this veil because they have created these walls around them. And yeah. but it still shines through. It's very animalistic. Both of them are. Natalie Portman, you see yeah, how I mean. she uses Charles Mel- Melton's character. And it's like, she says, oh, that's what adults do. And at the end of the day, it's like when you sever connections, like Melton is trying to connect. He wants a human empathy. And she's just out for herself even that using
1: thing you did, she sort of justifies it as some form of method acting. Like in the film, I, like in the context of it, I sort of understood it's sort of implied like that, like she's doing everything as sort of like a method acting exercise yeah. of oh, think, doing exactly what the wife did or, you know, like the Julianne uh, Moore's character, no, what she did.
0: So, a, yeah, no, that's a great point. I think that whole thing is there where she's mirroring her and what Arijit said, that the whole persona thing is happening. But then there's always this counter thing where people keep on telling her that you don't know anything about Gracie, right? I think that's the other thing that's keeping right. like you know it's like you don't right. know. like she is exploiting Melton in one sense, but it's not exactly similar because her exploitation does make him realize about some like realize what is going on in his life. But it's like really, uh, which is why I think the final scene at the graduation is almost like I always think it's like a like when Steven Soderbergh makes movies and they descend into like really, you know, B-movie territory almost, where both of them show up right. And they're like, you know, she gets a shock that, you know, uh, what the information she thought was real is unreal. And I was like, and then the acting also changes. So I thought like all that stuff was really fascinating and fantastic. Yeah, but definitely as I think all of you... Yeah, said, the more
1: I think you know. of, the more I think of May, December, the more I'm fascinated at how... Like how detailed it is, like how many small things are hidden all across the film, and I haven't Agreed. watched yeah. it more than once. But but I would like to because
2: yeah, I, I watched again, it I twice, telling... Tuhin, and it it opens up, I think. But mm-hmm. I also think the ending scene that uh, you're talking about, Dhruv, mm-hmm. um, not the ending, ending like the graduation scene where the two women face off. Haynes yeah. um, kind of mentioned that, and he said that this whole movie, it's kind of obsessed with finding out the truth, you know, we are peeling back layers, right? What makes this woman do what she did? Mm-hmm. And then, at the end, Natalie Portman has this, you know, secret weapon, like, oh, she has, you know, passed. And she kind of, dif- not deflects, like, she kind of, you know, shrugs it off. Oh, I know. I know that. Mm-hmm. And Haynes said that what the truth is not the most powerful thing. The most powerful thing is the unexamining person who is in denial. Gracie believes she's naive, and she has gone her whole life thinking, "Oh, I am naive. I am the I am the victim. I am this helpless child." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so denial, when you are, your truth is more important than the real truth. Yeah. I don't know if I'm putting
0: it across. but you know what? What you made totally makes sense. But I think it's just that Elizabeth, the Natalie Portman character herself, isn't you know cognizant about the fact she is most intent on copying Gracie. I think, which is the big thing. And I feel when she gives her that news, she basically like crumbles because it's like, oh, I didn't get her truth, which I wanted to get. So, like, I think there's... Whatever. It's, again, uh, like a playhouse of, like, mirrors in some senses. And I'm just, like, continuously fascinated by the film. So, yes, that is why I really like it. Yeah, and it was... Uh... Yeah. No, no, absolutely. I mean, I think it's just one of those films that definitely, like... If you, you start discussing, you can, like, sort of, you know, get lost in intricate details. I mean, there's so much stuff about how she... How Gracie passive-aggressively treats, uh, like... Talks to her children, like not. Oh my god, you know, yeah. Which is, I, I mean, can, the dress, yeah. dress choosing scene is yeah. so uncomfortable. Uh,
2: yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, it, that film really freaked me out because I can see so many of those toxic behaviors in my mother. So, yeah, yikes. That passive aggression, I think Indian families, like, live off of that.
1: Well, <laughs> uh, Wow, that was that was a pretty great discussion on may uh, So, yeah, I mean, like, May-December is just, like, so fascinating to me because, like, I noticed small things about it. Like, I was just telling Shomojit the other day that how that whole cocoon, like, uh, the Melton's character's obsession with cocoons and butterflies is basically to sort of... Uh, I thought of it as... Uh, he's sort of letting that insect mature and, you know, like, grow up and then finally, like, you know, be what they can be, which he did not uh, himself experience as a child. Like, he did not have that uh, uh, support or, you know, like, nobody was there for him. Like, he was taken advantage of as a child and he was just left to be that way. So... I think that was like really uh, one thing that I uh, figured out from that uh, sub-plot of it. Now, Orishit, why don't you go ahead with your favorite, like one of your
3: favorites. Alright, so my one of my films would be The Zone of Interest. And so, you know, I I hadn't read about it much. I had just had a glance at it. I think when it uh, received something at Cannes and I think early review, I, I just had a couple of lines and I was very interested in the premise that mm-hmm. uh, it's a movie on the Holocaust genre, which mm-hmm. is fascinating to me for various reasons. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, it, I watched it at Kif. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the second film I watched and that was after Fallen Leaves. Mm-hmm. And, It was a very traumatic experience, but I think it's one of the most ingenious films ever made Mm. because uh, in the Holocaust genre, we have seen various films in the US or in Europe. Mm. Uh, We've seen various types of Holocaust movies. It's like Jonathan Glazer is coming in and saying, what if you don't see Holocaust? What if you don't see a Holocaust movie? You just hear it, Mm -hmm. but you see something else. And he just reinvents this whole language of filmmaking, you know, it's audiovisual and he just turns it upside down. You, you hear the Holocaust, but you see something else. You see people talking about flowering the gardens, and you see children, Nazi children, you know, they have bathing in the pool and they're having family picnics and all that stuff. And maybe far off in the background, you can see from steam and smoke billowing from those concentration camps, and you can hear the screams, and there's this uh, Sandra Huller, she's the wife of this Nazi command, and then mm. her mother arrives, and they're walking in the garden, they're talking about cabbages, and then mm, her mother says, oh, uh, I had this friend, she was a Jew, and is she in this camp? Well, she might be, she's, maybe she's burning somewhere like that, mm. and it's horrific, I mean, and it's uncomfortable as hell, mm. and, and one of those things that happened is, I think, if we watch that film... Alone at home, it would have been mm-hmm. very different because sometimes yeah. we adjust ourselves with that discomfort. But since we're watching at a theater with a lot of people, it was almost as I was naked. You know, all mm-hmm. all the evil and dirty and malignant things mm-hmm. were out in the open. It was like opening a box of worms. So yeah, it's it's so traumatic, but at the same time, one can't, you know, help but marvel at the uh, the filmmaking. And yeah. It just keeps a distance. Yeah. It never goes yeah. in. It never goes in. There's just one close-up that's from a very low angle, a very tight close-up. You just mm-hmm. see of the Nazi commandant and team coming in, and you can just hear the screaming of Jews. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just one close-up. Otherwise, it's at a distance. Mm-hmm. And it's horrific, but it's so fantastic. I watched it twice. So yeah, so that's that's I I think it goes on a long way to see, you know, almost a hundred years later, how the Language of film, how you can reinvent and that too with mm-hmm. a genre, a genre very familiar with us. Mm-hmm. And of course they were done
1: also on some level, I would say. Like yeah. almost yeah. many, many people have has had a shot at uh do like, you know, depicting the Holocaust or th- like people yeah, or yeah, that's, that's events the thing. around
2: it holocaust industrial complex so hollywood loves loves that like uh, i think and it's, it's the... like uh, <laughs>
3: holocaust yeah. but i think in one way it's it's not about holocaust it's it's about everywhere oh, no, where exactly. there's oppression yeah. uh, on the minority and and how things are you know naturalized it's like oh it's okay you know people no, are getting killed, I,
1: I mean, you know. yeah that is the that thing? is there and I think what you are trying to say is sort of like how other people are complicit and they uh like how they are so brazenly complicit in this and how they are okay with their complicity
3: uh, complicity in it in, uh, yeah, in yeah. I, I, I don't want genocide. to talk about it yeah, yeah I don't want to talk about it in political terms but it's just yeah it's exactly that genocide thing I mean no, wherever I in, mean, the world, yeah, in the world whenever in the world when I when
1: I saw it, uh, and when you see it right now, uh, there is no way that like so anyone with a level head can't doesn't sort of think about the current situation in Gaza and like you know how the group that is the yeah, yeah I know that I sort know. of yeah
3: I know I just didn't want to bring so that I... here because that discussion might drift somewhere else. So
1: not not going to drift about that, but I think when I saw it personally, for me, why it sort of scared me even more, like why that was like a very spine chilling sort of experience for me. Like I couldn't literally move from my seat, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, the the way I felt that one of the main reasons was this is that I couldn't help, but sort of just extrapolate what they are showing into the present day and not just i mean uh, gaza uh, in particular yeah, but it could like be you gaza said, it anywhere in ukraine it, yeah, yeah it it could and, be anywhere and... any anywhere in history where uh, you know people have been oppressed or you know like one group of people have been sort of uh, like victimized uh, and literally killed uh, for uh, political motives or for power gains and like how the rest of us uh, we just we just saw, like you know, we just see it and we don't raise our voice. We don't really and I think what he sort of does so well is he shows like how being neutral is also so like it's so disgusting in that point of time. Like if you're a yeah, one 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 you and not it's doing really it, I think, think you are
2: complicit. And um it's, you are right, Tuhin, it's very applicable, true, but it's also very specific. I think the more specific you get, the more uh, it will affect everyone. You know what I mean?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So specific so, is you're I mean, not of like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, like, in the sense, of, we were talking, uh, I was talking with a friend, he was doing mm-hmm. one exercise at the Institute and it was, uh, the backdrop was partition. And he was explicitly showing the partition. And and I had just watched this movie and, and I told him this thing, he, what if you don't show the partition? What if you hear the the riots? And what if we see is a couple of politicians who are just sipping tea on their garden and on their you know on their backyard and somewhere beyond those walls. And and I was just telling him because you know that kind of impact happens, and he was like, Oh, that that really works. Mm-hmm. And, and the, my fascination is with how he has done it. And it affects on multiple levels. It's like mm-hmm. in history, whenever this has happened uh, and people in power, they have just been like that. And I think Erlich, David Ehrlich wrote a very one line of it. You know, it, it has stuck a chord with me. He wrote mm-hmm. the banality of evil. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's banal. It's it's everyday thing, but it's it's, it's super evil. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, right. They get up in the morning, brush your teeth, you know, do your thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> a terrific film I and i mean he also, he also he also
1: sort of shows he also sort of shows how evil sort of uh is something that almost become like uh like genetic you know like how it's yeah. being passed on from the father to the child and maybe that child will become hateful you know that hate not evil per yeah, se it's hate evil, of,
2: right it's uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: that it's passed is passed on to the child because the child is also hateful and he uh, one of the children is
2: more like it's you the the kid you see that scene the kid is training himself like yeah when you hear yeah, it, sort of, it sort of growth becomes growth. like
1: that. Yeah, it becomes like generational that yeah, uh, hate yeah, yeah. that passes on from yes, yes. one generation yeah. to another. Because
2: we and, learn from our parents, right? So, hmm. what happens when your parents are Nazis? <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. And I think, like, like, uh, Odejit was saying, like, the way Glazer has done it is like so mind boggling for me because I was just, uh, hearing like an interview of Sandra Huller the other day, and hmm. she was like, you know, I was very clear cut that, like, as a person that I don't want to play like a Nazi or, you know, anybody Mm. uh, associated to Nazism on screen as an actor, anywhere, ever. But when, like, uh, she saw the script and uh, when she had a conversation with Glazer and how it was, like, how he was trying to do it, that appealed to her so much that she signed on. For the film although you know she had that stance but she realized that what Blazer is doing sort of doesn't invalidate her stance per se
0: Yeah,
1: uh, like there's no glorification at all rather it's 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 so weird like it's so, so uncanny and you're so uncomfortable and of course like the sound true. design like, because, and everything
2: uh, there is like we are in agreement there is no glorification but i don't think this film is for everyone like i think it was the new york times uh, reviewer who completely missed it.
0: yeah yeah you read that oh i God. read it because i i'm not i'm not i don't share the sentiment but i have some reservations about the film which i'll voice but like they are not not her like i think she did misread it i think richard brody wrote for new yorker and i didn't i don't think he messed it i think he made a uh, A couple of very telling points and I think think whatever you guys are saying is great and I actually would have loved if the whole film was that I don't think the whole film is that though I feel the film is uh, and I think Glazer mentioned in an interview that there are times when he breaks away from that because he couldn't bear the fact that you know he's showing just that side I think the breaking away is a problem for me like I find the breaking away sections a bit like you know um, i felt, yeah. felt jar, jarring in a in a not a you know uh in a not distract like in a very distracting way it's not uh sort of you know um i i guess you can a- argue that it's a move in a way to like you know dismantle the whole order of the nazi regime and you know whatever like kind of dismantle that but i i felt the thermal, whatever, filtered sections of the film were very... Negative,
2: the negative filter, yeah.
0: Yes, yes, negative filter ones were very much, uh, you know, and I want to say underdeveloped, but they aren't developed. I mean, they are supposed to be glimpses, right? And I thought the way it's introduced in the beginning, I really liked how it's introduced because it's almost like he's telling a story to his child and while telling it, it's almost like he imagines something. And I was like, oh, is he going to like... You know, right, right, right. That and I'm like, yeah, yeah. but no. then it starts just interjecting automatically and it becomes a bigger part and bigger part. And then it just, he dropped that. happened that. to me when I watched the first time screening. This this thing you mentioned okay. that happened to me when I was watching it
3: the first time. Which okay. is why I went to watch the second time as in why, why he did that. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting point that you bring up. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I was actually thinking on the lines of whether you're saying breaking away, I was thinking whether you're talking about where uh, the commander is posted somewhere else. and That also, also definitely. Party, he calls,
0: that also definitely. Because his I, wife
3: and he says, all I can think of is gassing them and it's like a 50 yeah, feet and we see yeah,
0: tall building. Yeah, I think that's... So for a film that like, you know, wants to be very covert and very, you know, sly and actually very smart about these things, like these things just stick out a lot because they're like super explicit in a way which like counters how uh you know how subtly it's actually exploring whatever whatever you guys said about banality and i think it's just subtle horror that that's what hits you more i feel sometimes and uh and i don't know maybe i've just seen to a bunch of art house cinema recently where i'm like i i get the appeal of the whole you know dis- dissonance between sound and image but i also feel i've seen it like that's the other thing like uh it's this is not a knock but right. i think he gets a lot of mileage out of this and i the one thing I still remember from the film is the hum, not anything else, but like this constant hum, uh, which you keep on hearing when you're in the house. And when Sandra Holler says she's made made whatever, uh, Eden or whatever it is called, I like, and I'm like, how can you live with that sound? Like that sound is so like annoying, annoying in the sense that it rattles you always. And I'm like, that hum never goes away except for that scene when they go to the river and there's like you know an offshoot that right that feels like the place where yeah. the hum goes away i remember i think so like i remember a lot of these things but then i also remember like the instances mm. where it breaks away from the point of view and i'm like why don't you stick with sandra hullo's character i think that would be more interesting no i think uh, it's interesting you
3: said this but i think uh, i think you also mentioned that uh, mm-hmm. why he moved away from this maybe Mm -hmm. Maybe it was too much to take. I don't know. I mean, at some point, he said that I I sort of just, I sort of just felt like
1: I particularly didn't think of it as like him sort of moving away from it. I mean, that Mm. could be the case because Mm. I was just watching him depicting this family and the point Mm. of the film to me was like depict, like to show this family uh, as is. And Mm -hmm. through the actions of this family, and you could say, uh, the mindset and the mentality and how they're wired to Mm -hmm. sort of use that to sort of uh, like paint a sort of scary picture of how, uh, like how deeply brainwashed and complicit they were in this, uh, you know, like in aiding the genocide or, you know, the killing of. The Jew people in Auschwitz. Yeah. Uh, I think the technical choices Blazer makes works immensely. Like it worked for me because at the end of the day, he was doing something that has been done like hundreds of times before. And people yeah. as great as Spielberg have taken a shot at it. So,
2: yeah.
1: like, whatever he probably had to say was done mm. in some way. So, I believe that things like how he approached sound design, the yes. whole thermal imaging part of it, which, mm-hmm. uh, too, I mean, I felt it at the time. And then I came back and read about it, how that little girl is supposed to be like an antithesis to the evil of the others around yeah. her. So that's mm-hmm. in a different, you know, like that, that's, that's why the that whole negative this, yeah.
2: thing. It's a negative is for them. So, Yeah. Yeah. It was negative
1: to the people. uh, And then later later I read that that girl was actually inspired by like, you know, real people who have lived there in Auschwitz and who sort of helped uh, by help the uh, inmates in whatever small way they could uh, as part of some movements in Mm -hmm. Poland. So, but I didn't know that at the time, but it sort of made total sense that somebody doing some good for even like a minute within that is yeah,
0: shown in like mode, a different... You know, uh, yeah. No, but the different see, my, to... my 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 thing would be, my small counter to this would be the negative thing then goes away when the music starts playing. And I was like, I don't know what to make of that aesthetic decision. Like, you know, there's some some stuff in it. I just don't know if he's actually thought it through the hallway or has he just like, you know, Put it as a like of course a lot of it has been thought through. I I think
2: the team is very well thought through.
0: No, no, Most of it you know, I most think of it, it is was a Yeah, I think it was like a breather, but what, what
3: I feel. I mean sure. breather is yeah, maybe not a right, word yeah. there. Got it. Right, mm-hmm. right. But but there are other things as well. Like uh we we are in that building and suddenly uh like this commander is coming down the stairs and it just starts ah. to black and then it just yeah. comes to the present people yeah. fleeing the museum. Oh, and that, that, was, is, like,
0: that is a really good touch. Really, I mean, I, that's the one touch where yeah. I was like, you know, taken <laughs> aback. I was like, I don't know what to make of this. It was one of those things that really affected me. I'm still thinking about what he means to do with that uh, touch. But, but yeah.
2: just, It was very plain to me. Like he's okay. showing that these guys don't have a future. These Nazis, hmm. they are killing them. Like he's sick. He's, he wants to vomit. He's mm-hmm. He feels... Evil, he wants mm-hmm. to vomit it out, mm-hmm. but he can't you
0: mm-hmm.
2: know what I mean. So mm-hmm. these guys, they don't have a future, it's mm-hmm. it just stops. Yeah, there. and
1: and the juxtaposing of like the Auschwitz Museum with mm. like the present of the Auschwitz Museum with what he was showing. That was that scene again, that it was so well done because while they were sort of you know like gloating about their achievement, because killing exactly. these humans also Their became, achievement
2: became, became matter. It's, killing. it's not them we will remember it's the people who they killed mm. and i yeah, think that like killing. legacy is like, they don't have a legacy like they are trying so hard to make this pure world and no they
1: they they no. do have a legacy that legacy is that they are hated I yeah. mean, that's the yeah. whole point. Like, yes. I think that's that's yes. what I got from that, that, you know, they're gloating about, it's, it almost felt like they're talking about sales numbers, the way they were talking about how many people yep. they have killed. And yeah. that's, yep. again, like, that, as if they were fulfilling some quota that yep. they had for sales. And
2: yep.
1: in that party, when everybody's, you know, patting themselves on the back about uh, killing people. Then mm. sort of juxtaposed with the present where the people who are killed are sort of remembered and it's their belongings which are sort of displayed yeah. and showcased. And these mm. people are like, I wouldn't say they're forgotten because they definitely mm. aren't forgotten. Maybe each individual isn't remember uh, the Nazis, yep. but what they as a whole, as a group, what they did and how they serve as a reminder to the world about what e- mm. what true evil can really do, mm. uh, what, what it looks like yeah rather uh that that was that was amazing and I no, think yeah no, I like, think Dhruv, just before this,
0: I think uh you were saying,
1: uh, that I was yeah I was about to caveat
0: seeing... caveat all this, yeah, I was about to caveat all this and say that I didn't see it in a cinema, so I have to experience it like that, and I want to because I know to. the sound isn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. for that for...
2: it was like go see it in on the big screen,
0: even yeah, yeah, though they yeah. Are given in the u s yeah. No, no. For that, it has to come here. So I mean, I'm more than happy to go and watch it. uh But uh, yeah. no, no. I mean, I take all your points. I, think... I, 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 I yeah, just think more maybe I, maybe I always compare everything which is made about uh, this to show uh, the Cloud Landsman uh, doc nine-hour documentary. Oh yeah, yeah. The, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Obviously, yeah, obviously. No, yeah, yeah. no. We'll yes. always come back to that. Yeah, but. Uh,
3: yeah, yeah, I think one more thing is I think it's very Brissonian in its approach in the mm-hmm. sense that and it's funny that Brisson also made a film from his own experience as a resistance member, mm-hmm. which is a man escaped and it's very mm-hmm. Brissonian in its approach is because uh, what Brisson used to say is like, if you have image, you don't need to use sound. And if you have yeah. sound, you don't need to use the image. And that's what yeah. they're doing. Mm-hmm. And and Brisson's whole approach was very simplistic. It's like, mm-hmm. what's the shortest distance between two points? It's a straight line. And and that's what they're doing. That's what this guy is doing. And it, it's for me, it's difficult to achieve some sort of this sort of filmmaking with a subject like this. Uh, I think Tuin mentioned that Holocaust films have been done a lot. It's like yeah. saying it's you're saying the same thing, but how hmm. do you say it? You can say it differently.
0: Oh no, definitely, and, I'm not taking yeah. uh, anything
3: yeah. away from. No, no, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. I get it. I yeah. get it. Which is hmm. which is what was sort of fascinating for me because. yeah I've never seen anything like this, never seen, not in this genre, definitely. And, and, and it's a very, it's a very traumatic thing. It's, I mean, for me, maybe I'm very culturally separated from the the Holocaust in a, in a way, Mm -hmm. but uh, for people in Europe US, uh, it's, it's a, it's a trauma. It's it's a, it's a generational trauma and that to show that uh, with this approach, it's, it's something to, you know, ponder about. So, yeah. yeah,
1: and you know, I what was fascinating for me is like I sort of had an idea of what the film was about, and I was still sort of so like so like stunned and taken aback from for, for because of it. And like, the I was just wondering, like, oh, if I didn't know anything about it, and like I would mm. experience it like people did at Cannes for the first time, I would have probably just like gone batshit crazy about this because.
3: Mm. Like I, I they they really didn't. Yeah, know that's what time. happened to that's what happened to me and a friend. We just finished okay. that screening and we both came outside and we were just talking,
0: telling to each other the same thing. What just oh, happened? Yeah, yeah. What yeah. just happened? I mean, you, you yeah. would have yeah. probably been say, <laughs> You would have probably said that uh, even <laughs> after like the first two minutes, right? Considering the overture thing, like it lasts for like yeah, like, yeah, yeah, oh, right, yeah, yeah. yeah wow. exactly, yeah, yeah. So and we, like, I what was just, just happened. And,
1: I was just about to scream at the projector person that <laughs> no image is coming at the screening when image did come. Uh, and we
3: weren't prepared yeah. about it because the yeah. next screening was about dry grasses. So we were like, oh my god, how can we go and watch about dry grasses now? This has yeah, okay. to linger upon. And it, it was it was a difficult experience, but I it's like, I think, May-December not in the same manner, yeah. but it was a difficult experience and I think I yeah. realized with time that uh, if a filmmaker intends to make it difficult for you yeah. then he or she is successful yeah. and yeah. it does that it, it it makes it difficult for me and,
1: and hence it's a good movie it's, know, it's like not a good it's, movie it's a great movie mm-hmm. it's it's not just you know it's not just like a difficult experience where you know it's like sort of painful to watch the film or you know like it's like you know events are uh, like for, uh, I would say like in the same uh, uh, you know genre rather of Uh, the Holocaust movies, Schindler's List is something Mm -hmm. uh, that's very painful for me to watch because of what they show. But the both May, December and Zone of Interest, it's almost like something crawling under your skin. It's more uncomfortable, like, like, you know, like it's more creepy than like difficult or, you know, that way. So that's, that makes, that makes it sort of uh, like you, know, you can't really say out and out. Oh, it's very sad. I don't watch it, or you know, it's very difficult. That no, way, no, difficult as in watch, right? sad. Yeah.
3: Difficult as in even if it's creepy, no, no, I'm just difficult. Yeah, I'm just
1: saying. Like you know, like it's, a, it's in a, the theater. A
3: difficult, to watch. Yeah, it it's a difficult, difficult watch. Yeah, it's difficult because like you watch it with the collective. You watch it with other hmm. people. That's why it becomes. I think it that that effect increases. You know, multiple folds. That that I think is. I, I don't I have to watch it in, alone it and see the film
2: is basically putting you in the shoes of the Nazis like you are the Nazis and like no one wants to think of themselves as you know Nazis hmm. and that's right. coming back to point like those atrocities still happening against minorities and no one is batting an eye.
1: Hmm. So yeah I mean we'll, we'll move on to I suppose my uh favorites The film that I'll speak of first uh, is Justin Triet's Anatomy of a Fall. I did not kill him. Anatomy of a Fall is just, it's just such a perfect film. Like, I uh, i don't know if you guys have seen uh, Justin triette's earlier movie, which is Sibyl, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not as great a film as Anatomy for me. Mm-hmm. But she has this, uh, she has this, you know, this sort of quest, I would say in her films, this sort of personal quest of, understanding human nature, like very intricately understanding human nature and not just who we are as humans, but like what makes us like that? Like what are our personal biases? Like what comes into play in decision-making? What comes into play for every sort of small decisions that we take, whether they're pragmatic or they're emotional, like in even in this brain versus heart thing, who wins, at what situation, uh, what are the circumstances. So there's been that quest in her films that I see of really exploring like human psyche and human nature in a way that I don't think I've seen other filmmakers do. And anatomy Mm -hmm. just takes it to an insane notch. Like it's, you literally have a relationship that's being sort of, very like you know very intricately getting nitpicked publicly in a trial and all the uh, like all the events of the relationship all uh, then the personal lives of the two people in the relationship and now, that kid, the time that's you know, committed
2: like- their relationship on trial yes yeah
1: yeah, it's it's almost like your relationship on like the like
2: one well, thing that you said in quarrels or you know bickering or pa- being a passive aggressive or your actions, it's picked apart, and no one wants to be there. Yeah, uh, like every everything
1: is picked apart from interactions to uh like you know mental health and uh like even uh what so one of the Sandra Huller's character is an author and the film goes to an extent where the prosecutor (laughs) is trying to prove that uh, what she's written in her book is sort of like a prelude to you know her committing a crime like you know it's (laughs) going to that level of extrapolation and I think what sort of Justin Triette, through her screenplay especially does so well is I think she sort of really exposes how uh we have institutions and places that are supposed to be neutral. And we have people who are supposed to be neutral, like a judge and a jury, and you know, like lawyers, whatever, but none of them are like, even in spaces which are supposed to be neutral in a court that is supposed to be neutral, you let personal biases, you let emotional manipulation, you let all of these things play a part in it, although they're not supposed to play a part in it. and uh, you could see uh, that in every single character, whether it is uh, Sandra Huller's character trying to convince, starting from her lawyer to her son, to like you know the entire court that she did not commit the crime of killing her husband to the prosecutor trying to make everybody believe otherwise, because he's very, Insistent on the fact that this happened, and uh, like yeah, this this all of this really sort of uh, sort of just takes place there. Everything is out there. The dirty laundry is being washed in public, and there is something uh, that her character says at the end of the film, which really sort of has struck around uh, with me. Which is, she says that after the case was over, it would feel like a victory, but it feels like nothing. You know, it feels just like, okay, this is not happening anymore. It doesn't feel like she won or anything after the trial was over. And that really sort of, in the context of the movie, like I don't want to give out uh, like the larger movie uh, as a whole because it's just so brilliant, but that sort of really affected me so much when I saw it because yeah like all of that uh, taking place in the court and all of the discussions and the accusations that really was for nothing at the end like it just affected sort of her life her child's life and they are just going to be remembered for that so yeah did anyone of you see it what did you guys think of it
3: I wants to go first.
2: I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I, 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 li- I like it. Like I see where the director is going. I feel like it's my problem. Like I like the film. It's it's not a knock against the film. I think it is one of the best films of the year. Maybe not my favorite, but it's it's subjective. Uh, I think the film is too much of a thought experiment. I think. Um you are right toheen it kind of exposes how flawed the criminal justice system is and but it would be foolish to think that you know humans who are who we are a product of our experiences and we all have our agenda and we are, it's all subjective so it will be foolish to think that the criminal system will be neutral i think i think my problem is that Saint Omer was a better film that came out last year, and that kind of criticized the whole court system. This one, it just it didn't work for me because it's it's too much of a like the film to leaves too many gaps, so that you bring out bring in your own biases. Like I watched the film on my own, and I had this interpretation, and then I was watching it with a friend um, over the weekend, and he brought in his own biases and I think the film is just too broad you know what I mean like and I, it
1: and you know I think that's that's intentional like i yeah, every every, every single every
2: it is a thought experiment yeah, and like every step of there the moment a uh, scene of, that the woman who's taking care of the child he tells him like you have to choose we don't know what happened you have to choose and so I that's fascinating because i have not seen that approach before in films but for me films are supposed to be more than that like it has to make me feel and i just feel i just think that film really was lacking empathy <laughs> i'm i'm it's a weird peeve but you know what i mean
1: i sort of see where you're coming from but i also think like whatever you said as like didn't work for you was pretty much sort of intentional on the director's part. Like, again, like if you've seen, if you see, if you see Sybil uh, before this, which is again not uh, as greatly fleshed out as this, but there also she's trying to figure out uh, interpersonal relationships. And like, why is this one person suddenly falling in love with another person? What are the exact sort of uh, trigger points or, you know, this jump offs for, feelings of envy or for feelings of love or for you know yeah. feelings of hatred uh, so that film you could also say is a thought experiment that way and even this one is because I think the crux of the film is essentially to invite us to also participate in the whole sort of dirty laundry washing like you know it's sort of also invites yeah, us to okay you kind of do...
2: committing his own mistake by making us judge jury Yeah,
1: so like I don't think it's a mistake per se, but I would say, like, when I saw it, I and I think I saw it twice just because of like I I, how much I loved that, uh, like you know, the court scenes that they showed, which also apparently was sort of uh praised for being very authentic, like, uh, in French. How is it
2: authentic? The prosecutor is so villainous, like, I don't see that court scene as something
1: the no,
3: prosecutors are usually like that they, their intention no 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 so the awesome authentic go in the to sense... all ends to do it
2: yeah he's twirling like yeah. his moustache even though he doesn't have any hair in his face but it's like ugh I don't know
1: yeah so I mean I personally felt like uh that part of it was very interesting where I, as a viewer, am being asked for implicitly, it's not out there to, for me also to form an opinion. Like I'm part of the jury. Mm-hmm. I don't have a say in how the film proceeds, but given everything that it, that is presented, what do I think of it? Do I think she committed the crime or not? And I think that was like, really interesting for me to, you know, be a part of that uh, experience per se and uh so i think yeah like i mean the i personally did feel things while watching the film i sort of did feel sorry for uh how do i put it it's like you know you see these two people who at one point of time maybe were in love had feelings for each other and had a relationship and then shit happens to them and they fall out but they're still in the relationship because they don't know anything else like they don't know any other way to be and that really made me feel sad for sort of the both of them as to how they were so stuck in the relationship that at one point they became sort of hateful towards each other so that part of it was sort of very sad for me to Sort of see pan out through yeah. the trial, yeah. and I mean, what can I say about like the acting and the screenplay? I mean, I think the screenplay yeah. is just so perfect. Like when I sort of One found can out can that it the... at yeah, when I sort of like when I sort of One... just found out that even the language switches that are there in yeah. the film, like they are sort of uh, like in the screenplay. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. like a decision that they. Uh, did sort of as an improv, but they sort of had it in the script and not just that they went through several iterations of having how much share of each language, because at the end of the day, it was this woman who's on the back foot, she's the prime suspect, and she is in a place where she doesn't speak the language and she has to express herself in bits and parts, sometimes using English, sometimes using French to just really make her case and that was part of her struggle to make people and the judges and the prosecutor believe otherwise uh, which already sort of creates a bias against her that she doesn't speak the language that everybody else says so how that is navigated and all of that being in the script that was so fascinating
0: for me to read between all of you know, this you're see. mentioning right i mean i like the film also i'm not like i'm not disliking it at all <laughs> but uh Um, (laughs) no it's basically what what you're saying what you're saying actually uh i formed an opinion by the halfway point my my issue only with the film is after the halfway mark i kind of was like there's still a lot of time to go and i know whose side i'm on like i didn't feel the push and pull of is she did she do it or did she not do it sorts you know, like for me, it was like, I want her to be like, I thought the cards were stacked too uh, too much against her. So I was more with Hula's character in any case. And the argument, whatever arguments the husband's, husband brings up in those was so, for me, male chauvinist that I was like, I don't think I, I'm sympathizing with him enough to have a, you know, push and pull of who to care for. So my my yeah. only thing was that. But other, otherwise it's again whatever really well written, really well acted, etc. So like I was up with it like a lot till the halfway point, and then I was like less with it, but I like watched I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think
2: ben definitely is a, I don't know. I, don't... I think in the
1: second I think in the second part of it, again, the entire movie sort of worked for me, but the second hmm. part especially is memorable for me because of uh I think that the, it, the Uh, The child, yeah, Mm. the the guy who plays the child, his performance, Mm. I mean, that came out of the blue for me. Like I wasn't expecting him
2: Mm. to be
1: such a a pivotal character, uh, which he becomes in the second half of the movie where Mm. uh, it's almost hinging on his testimony and everything. So I think that's why I also knew who I wanted uh, to support. Mm. But at the same time, I was like, let me see what the facts are. Sure. Right? Because mm-hmm. if there are clear if facts, then of know, course, that. I that don't want to support matter. somebody who's who's a murderer. Right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, but that happened with me as well, where, like, I knew who I wanted out of, like, you know, who I wanted to support. Yep. But mm-hmm. I was also sort of keeping an open mind as to sure sure. whether there are some evidences or something that might yeah. come out over the course of this. No, go ahead. But yeah, I think, uh, again, like all these interpersonal relationships that were happening in the movie that was that was depicted so well, every single one, whether it was the sort of legal, like, you know, court appointed guardian and the child, which was the mother and the child where they are both sort of suspect and witness and they're sharing Mm. the same space. And how the child's perception also sort of keeps changing based on information that he hears and all mm-hmm. that so all of this playing out together simultaneously it was mm-hmm. just fascinating for me to watch to be yeah. honest so yeah. and apart from Sandra
0: yeah, what remained in my head was the that pimp song <laughs> that played at oh, the biggest... yeah yeah
1: I have been obsessed yeah. I have been obsessed with that exact like you know cover version of the song ever since I heard it and you know something something I felt so nice about with this regard I mean just uh, again so such a random Hmm. thing to uh mention but I when I was looking up this song on YouTube and I saw Hmm. went through the comments of uh this particular sort of cover tin drum cover of this uh I saw most of the people or most of the views on the song and most of the comments were after Anatomy's is released. Okay. And yeah. I saw that so many people were discovering this music because they saw this like French Uh-oh. movie, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, randomly. Okay. And like, you know, then they came here to sort of appreciate the movie also and yeah. the song also. And that sort yeah. of, I don't know, maybe uh, in this moment, I'm becoming like an optimist, but that sort of like gave me some assurance that, oh, you know, like if, you make a compelling movie, people will go out and watch. Because Anatomy is doing, like in terms of box office or in terms of viewership, it's doing great numbers across the world. Like, whenever in Europe, in UK, US, <laughs> it's doing great and uh, it's getting the sort of recognition uh, that I don't generally see a foreign film. I haven't seen a foreign film get since Parasite, to be honest, yep. where
3: it's separately see, talked about is... as like a. Because the writing is so phenomenal. As a writer, the yeah, first yeah, thing yeah, I was yeah. after watching it, I was like, I was very envious of it. You know, how can someone write such a neat yeah. screenplay you know, into yeah. it? As a writer, I feel that, you know, because we yeah. often tend to write certain things and we feel ki, okay, we have written it well. Hmm. And then you take a step back and you be objective about it and then no, it's not working. But this screenplay and, works hmm. so well. I mean, and you need to
1: And, you know, like another thing that fascinated me a lot was that uh, Justin Triott wrote this with her partner and to write this. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's the thing. thing. Yeah, to
1: write write this sort of like relationship dynamic with your partner is also, I think I, I can only imagine the sort of conversations and back and forth that
3: Uh, And one more interesting thing happened was uh, when we were watching this film, we caught a late night screening and we were returning together and there was a junior from Institute. He was, so he was telling a very funny thing. He was like, uh, he was asking, he was telling me, uh, if had it been made in Hollywood or maybe in the cinema, then they would have definitely showed it in the end, whether she did or not. (laughs) So do do you think, and, and why do you think that they didn't show it in this film? And I said, it's not the point of the film. But Mm. having said that, I understand it's not the point of the film. But having said that, if one wants to watch it that way, because Mm. in a lot of places, I see they're marketing the film as hashtag, did she do it and all that. Mm. And then I was was explaining to him, see if you think that if she did it, and if I think she didn't, it was an accident or if someone else thinks it was Mm. suicide, we are essentially watching three different films. Mm -hmm. And not just for that one event, but it changes the dynamics of the whole film. And it's three Mm. different films. And mm-hmm. the only one who's at the center of it is the child. Mm-hmm.
0: And
3: and that's sad. That's sad. Yeah.
0: But isn't it obvious who did something. it? Uh, see,
3: that's the a dog thing. did it, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: It the dog is, oh, is a yeah. phenomenal performer. I We were talking about the child. I think you should also oh, yeah. have a special... The dog's name is messy, by
1: the way. The dog's name is messy.
3: Yeah, oh, yeah. Amazing, am. amazing, amazing
1: performance.
3: <laughs> amazing performance. I, I am usually... I saw fallen leaves and there was a dog usually called his films tend to have a dog. And I was mm. so I was impressed. But then I watched this and I was like, Oh, my God, that's how, how did they train that dog? I mean, because I have made a film with a cat. And yeah. I had a good experience. And I know how animals behave on set. But mm. having a dog do that but it was amazing I mean and I mean <laughs> that's but but it was interesting I mean i, I like that if anyone wants to watch the film through that perspective whether mm-hmm. she did it or she did not or was it an accident or was it a suicide and 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 it becomes different films for different people it's the same same script same story but it's again the same story but how you tell it and how you listen to it or how you see it so, yeah so that it's it's a fascinating film it's and I think it's it's a the winner of I, I was talking to someone else who said like why did sandra Willard win the best actress i said i don't know maybe they give one award for, per film or yeah, something yeah they like have that. a rule
1: they have a rule like that i think i think, they think they something like that per film. and yeah. more than
3: more than happy so, to have this at boundior so yeah
1: so yeah i mean again like like dhruv said that he had an opinion by the first half of the film itself and i think a point of the film is also to sort of introspect on how you got there you know like why mm you ended oh, yeah. up taking somebody's did. side mm-hmm. like why you ended up taking somebody's side like I think what uh, like when I was seeing it I was like okay there's no evidence that you know like I, I think so it was like I think she's the killer mm. but I still want her to not be mm. you know like arrested or you know like being charged for this mm.
0: uh,
1: and later on i was like okay why was i thinking like that like why exactly did i
3: uh it's difficult like, so I think the film, film tries to make you feel that feel that way because I, I, it's difficult because in the contradiction you know that contradictory mm. emotions that it, we've been because of how yeah. it has been written so it so will take while, to some while, place in the first half right, and in the second right, half right. maybe
1: it will go somewhere else right so while it didn't sort of like make me feel
3: i would i don't know
1: like sad happy uh, mm-hmm. you know that sort of outward emotions but it sort of did make me think about my personal biases and i think that mm-hmm. was sort of the like idea of the film i felt also <laughs> for us to just have a think about okay why where are we like coming from what's our life experiences and how that's influencing the uh, sort of uh, opinions that we are forming about it, you know, Mm -hmm. like the whole trial and the people Uh, around it. Also how
3: memory Uh, works. Uh, That was also an important thing, how memory works and and truth versus fiction, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. that that statement that he makes, you know, by that logic, Stephen King should be a serial killer. It Mm -hmm. often (laughs) uh, we associate, you know, filmmakers or writers, you know, If they're doing something in their work, they may be something like that in their real life. So that Mm. whole thing was also, these were very interesting points for me, actually. And Mm -hmm. and since we were talking about the writing thing, the screenplay thing, I think every writer knows this thumb rule that, you know, if your script doesn't have one thing, that's catharsis. So -hmm. it's not going to work. And and this film has, because Mm -hmm. when she finally comes back and she hugs the dog and she... Mm -hmm leaps that's that's when you realize that you know all this comes to a full circle mm-hmm. and that's that's where i think the film does a fantastic job and i think because i was thinking where where is this going where where, where do they want to end it because the trial is done everything is i mean whatever it is may, she may have committed it she might not have committed it but the trial is done and there's a verdict and now she has to live with her son and the family will go on but how, how is it going to go and that left me thinking, like after the film ends, but their life doesn't end. They, they, let's consider it's real. So their life goes on, but how does it go on? How how does Daniel do it? I don't know. I mean that, that was uh, fantastic, I think. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah, I mean we we've all discussed like one film, and I think we wow, well, this sort of was really like a long sort of an episode. <laughs> so what I suggest is, like, let us not stretch this time anymore. And why don't we sort of...
3: Uh, right, right. We need
1: like, to do a trilogy, Yeah, we need to do, like, another round of this. Maybe let's do another round next week. Mm. And we'll uh, discuss maybe a couple of more films. Because, yeah, I mean, this is expected, right? Like, when mm-hmm. four of us are there, like, we will sort of spiral into... Discussing too much I about. Roof will have too Ferrari by about... then.
3: So will oh, Roo, just... tell me nothing. Dhruv, tell me he likes coming...
1: Ferrari. you are never coming. I I know this. This is not like a big deal, but you are never coming back here if you if you tell me anything about Ferrari. No, he's
3: not spoiled, but he's going to tell whether he likes Ferrari or not. Uh-huh, yeah, I yeah, have yeah, yeah just expectation
0: from this guy. Just... And I love the trailer that trailer because it's a very unusual trailer. Have I, have, yeah, the trailer. I have not s- I have not seen much Michael Mann in any case. So I have I have I don't know how to gauge my heat, right? Oh yeah, he's- I because have not he- I have not shame for admission. Oh, and fantastic. Been- oh, no no, no that's yeah. great. That's
3: great. <laughs> yeah. then you don't have that. Because see, I have lately been obsessed with him because last year you read Heat 2.
2: And
1: mm.
3: I was constantly thinking, should I write to Michael Mann? If, he, if he, is he is he making the movie or not? I mean, this is fantastic. So and mm. then I went back and watched a lot of his films. I haven't been able to watch that series though. Mm. So yeah. So but if you haven't watched it, then I think it's better. But yeah, I'll Ferrari try and watch it fantastic. though. Was... Yeah, yeah. Please, please. Yeah. No, no. Watch Ferrari and you know let let know yeah. So by next week, maybe you we have watched Ferrari. So we, yeah. we have
0: and the Ironclaw Depends on if 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 it, it. if it if it releases. Oh so. yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so many films. uh, Iron Claw uh, actually has an
1: India release also, sort of penciled in for now, but I'm not Hmm. sure if they're gonna stick
0: to it. They generally, which is annoying. I know. I mean, I whenever I am there, they have not released a lot of stuff which I wanted them to release. So, yeah, they didn't release the Wes Anderson film also, right this year
1: they did they did, they did.
0: Mm-hmm. They, did. Really? they did there was a limited thing asteroid city. yeah there was yeah, a it
1: limited was one week. Thing. yeah it was it was
0: one oh, week but yeah, okay I but i mean a lot. lot of people hated it in any case expensive. it was case, awesome. so. it
1: super expensive yeah it is okay even yeah. i, mean, yeah. I loved so, it mean, you, you was know what like, like i'll i'll probably like i don't know if i'll put it in my favorites but i'll definitely sort of i would want to talk about it for like 5 mm-hmm. minutes at some point because mm-hmm. my experience of watching asteroid city on like my tv Uh, Because in India, they released it much later than the digital thing. So by that time, I wasn't even sure it's going to release or not. And I caught it on my TV by a print. And my experience of that, and then when I caught it a few days ago, actually, I didn't catch it Mm -hmm. in the normal theatrical run. I was in Kerala where they were playing the film and I saw it Mm -hmm. there. It was like such a stark difference Mm -hmm. in how I felt about the movie in these two mediums and I was just like starts like I was just I I literally sort of cried when I saw it on the screen I
2: want to hear about that sounds like a religious experience (laughs) doing I mean it was
1: for me obviously because Wes Anderson is one of my favorite filmmakers and I I do feel like he's somebody who's who has a way of showing grief that I like that nobody else does like you know Again, like this thing that uh, I this is not me saying it, but I read somebody somewhere when his films were getting like uh, copied a lot for like
2: aesthetics on TikTok and Instagram and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Like, like he's very specific about his aesthetics, like, and he keeps changing it up. So you can't no, really. I mean, that's up. that's. I think I do. I do think he has a template per se. But yeah, he's, uh, no, no. I don't think he's a template. Like you can try to copy Wes Anderson, but I think he's inimitable because no. Right. But I think it's I, I, it. Not only just technique or camera work. Like he, his vision is his own. Like what Fincher does, you can't do Fincher. Without
3: Finch, I mean, you know, that's that's all oh, of right, that, guys. Awesome. We, I have mean, we... It up, we have <laughs> yeah, to break it up. We are cutting mark, so let's yeah, can we do it later. Yeah, so I mean, the, we had full film, so I just don't want the West Anderson thing to. We we yeah. can do a an Wes Anderson episode again if we want. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> sorry to do yes, it, we, but should, we, we should, should we should do, a, do a,
1: yeah, we should do a Wes Anderson episode. But yeah, <laughs> let's let's connect again next week. We should do like a part one, part two, however many parts because we are very unserious. And I think for the both of us, like it's just to geek out about films. Like I don't think Orijit or I, we even check how many people have listened to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the point of it. Because the
3: the conversation... Yeah, that's the thing. I I really like uh, when, like the thing that we had today, because we were having varied opinions and, but we were not stepping on each other's foot. So, and it was interesting to come up with because every people every person sees a film different way. And and yeah. I I like hearing out more than speaking. So I like that thing. So that, in that way it's interesting, which was the point of the podcast. So Yeah, yeah so, so let's let's just yeah. do this again. That was uh, very fun actually. Set really.
1: of, yeah, with another set of films next week. And yeah, I mean the four of us should definitely join like and we'll see if some
0: other <laughs> Friends. You, should key, you should keep. You should keep a also. keep a regular series till the Oscars. If <laughs> you have that many films. <laughs> We can I mean, that. I think there have
3: been there have been enough films this year that like we can like do. It is it is. Yeah yeah it, a, is. it is. yeah. Uh, yeah. it is. It is. And it has to be For like sure. one one full episode dedicated on Killers on the clown Yeah. That's, that has to be like. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's how we enjoy it. Yes. I will. I have lots of fans. I, I, I will
2: think that film long enough to warrant that. Yeah.
3: No, the, actually, the okay. thing happened with I, anyway. I have this. I think the bias thing we were talking about. I am actually biased with Martin Scorsese. It's mm-hmm. because he's the reason I'm into this whole thing. Mm-hmm. But killers actually affected me in a very different way. You know, someone at the age of anyway. Oh. Let's not talk about it now. Yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, chalo, yeah, chalo, yeah, guys. It
1: was nice talking to you. Yes. Let's
2: catch up next yes. week again
1: this for great. sure. This
3: was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, thank, thank you guys. Thank
2: Sorry. you. Bye, bye.